Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Hello, tennis fans, and welcome to a brand new podcast on the Tennis Podcast Network, introducing Tennis Channel Inside In, and I'm your host, Mitch Michaels. I'm excited to be bringing you this show where each week we'll have access to the world of tennis like only we can. From our brand new Tennis Channel studios in Santa Monica, we will be going inside the world of professional tennis with the past, the present, and the future of the sport. It's going to feature Tennis Channel broadcasts, interviews with players, and many others who eat sleep and breathe tennis we'll break down all the action we'll showcase some great personalities that make this sport what it is and our first guest our debut episode is going to feature none other than the legend the living legend tracy austin a two-time u.s open champion and a former world number one she has a lot to say about the recent results from the miami open the current wta action in charleston and what the delay of the 2021 french open by a week will mean for everybody involved can't wait to talk to Tracy. It's very exciting to have her on this debut show. It's Tennis Channel Inside In, where others are out, we are in. We're in the loop, we're in the know. It's Tennis Channel Inside In, and it's time to start the show. All right, welcome everybody to the first episode of the new Tennis Channel podcast, Tennis Channel Inside In. Delighted to have you with me here, Mitch Michaels, on the show and uh, great guest this week. Friend of mine, friend of everybody who's involved in tennis, I'm sure. It's Tracy Austin, the youngest member of the International Tennis Hall of Fame, two U.S. Open titles, and recently she had an anniversary of uh, getting to number one. I'm not going to you know, bore everybody with what anniversary that was. It's not important. <laughs> Tracy, thanks for joining the show. Thank you, Mitch. It's great to join you. Well, I'm delighted to always talk tennis with you uh, any time of year, uh, but I think now is a very interesting p- part in the calendar because in a normal year, and, and we're getting back to being a normal year, when you get done with the Miami, when you get done with that sunshine double, unfortunately there was no Indian Wells, you're getting ready for that clay court season where the season really begins to take form as there's shifting surfaces for the first time. The Miami Open this year had a lot more significance because there was no Indian Wells event, Tracy. But when you look at what happened, when you look at all the storylines that happened and the fact that we crowned on the men's side a first-time champion of a Masters 1000, and on the women's time we basically brought back somebody into the game that had been missing as a premier player, I think the storylines are are, are plentiful, and I think that the game right now is going in an interesting direction, uh, starting with the the men's champion, uh, Hubie Hercox, winning his first title and and essentially coming out of nowhere to do it, was not picked by virtually anyone to win, but he enters his hat in the race of uh, the bright young stars in the sport. Yeah, that was uh, quite interesting. If you had Hubie taking out Yannick Sinner in the finals, then you better get the next plane to, to Las Vegas. Yeah, so <laughs> I actually thought, yeah, I actually thought it was really exciting to see a, a couple of new names. And Sinner is so young, just a teenager, um, and so exciting. I remember actually doing the first time that I'd ever seen him play was doing a match on Tennis Channel. He was playing Stevie Johnson, and uh, 
I'd never heard of this kid. He was, it was probably a couple of years ago. He lost the first set 6-1, and I thought, oh, this wild card is going to go down easily. And then he came back and won the match. And you can tell by the way that he sh- strikes the ball, it just sounds different. The way that he competes, he's, he's going to do big things in the game. Yeah, no real weaknesses on, on both the forehand and the backhand. He's so solid. And I really like the mindset he has. You mentioned it. He lost in the final of the Miami Open as a teenager. There hasn't been many finalists. And if you look at the names, it's all Nadal, yeah. Djokovic, Agassi. He wasn't happy. He wasn't satisfied. He's like, I come here to win. He didn't get the job done. It was a winnable match. But credit to Hercox for battling. And, and for Hubie to win this tournament, Tracy, he, he didn't, the draw didn't open up for him necessarily. I mean, he went through some big names, goes through Sitsipas, gets through center in the final I mean, for him to do what he did as a player that isn't young by tennis standards and, and kind of has been overlooked since the beginning, becoming that next Polish champion, I mean, it's it could be that launching pad that a lot of young players look for. Oh, absolutely. And he seems like such a great guy. He seems extremely humble. I know that he works very hard with Craig Boyton. That It's wonderful to see that, that hug because there's so many hours on the court in the gym that go into a win like this. And I, I think... As fans, that's what we love to see is that big moment when somebody's life changes and Hubie's life changed that day. He's going to remember that day for the rest of his life, winning a a Masters 1000, really kind of throwing his name into the hat as someone that's a threat, someone that uh, now he believes that he can play at the top of the game. He's got a tremendous amount of talent. And, you know, Mitch, there, there are just so many stories in tennis, whether it's the older players, the veterans that have been around for such a long time, whether it's, you know, the, the Grand Slam chase overall, or, or these young kids, Musetti and, is wow. coming through, and, and Sebastian Corda. It's, it's a very exciting time for both men's and women's tennis. It certainly is. Hercogs also beat Rublev in the semis, so he went Sitsipas, Rublev, and center. Not easy to do. Uh, Another side of this story on the men's side, Tracy, is that going into this tournament, there was no big three playing. It was supposed to be Medvedev, Sitsipas, Verev, throw Rublev in there. We're supposed to be the next guys, and all of a sudden it's Hercogs that wins. Some of the players, Zverev goes out early, Medvedev gets tripped up by RBA, Sitsipas, and Rublev both by Hercogs. But if you look at those four, Tracy, and how they played and, and what led to their exit, was that shocking to you? Did you expect more from the four players that were supposed to be next up to to take advantage of this opportunity? Well, it's so interesting because you've got Medvedev who just recently became number two in the world and we all have more expectations for these guys now because uh, Rafa and Novak haven't played since the Australian Open. And so all of a sudden it's it's a different pressure. Instead of looking up at those guys and tra- trying to take out the, let's call them the big three, all of a sudden you are the one. You are the one with the, the target on your back. I still say it, it's so exciting to have those four right behind. We saw that pressure team against Zverev in the finals at the U.S. Open. That was a really interesting, interesting mental match because as soon as Novak was defaulted, uh, the, the draw was wide open with all, all the big three out. And so it's, it's really how to handle all of a sudden being the guy that is supposed to win. Uh, I still think, you know, Medvedev's going to win majors. Rublev, boy, has he come alive in, in the last year going deep and, and winning so many titles. So, uh, it's a, it's a possibility. So talented. Zverev obviously has been around for a long, long time. He was actually, seems like the first guy to break through. So it's, uh, you know, that we don't even counting Felix in that big story this week, but I think he's got a, a lot of promise as well. 
Yeah, what did you what did you tweet during that U.S. Open final on the tie break? Like this is crazy or this is insane or something? Like I feel like you were already. I have no idea. Team. I just know that team. You know, the last yeah. four games he could not hit over his backhand, which is one of the best backhands, one-handed backhands in the game, and yeah. the nerves were getting to him. And I, yeah, I was watching my whole family, and what we talked about was how. Roger and Novak and, and Rafa, how they make it look so easy mm. when, you know, the last stages of trying to win a Grand Slam because they've done it so often, they kind of know how to navigate through the nerves and, and, and close out a match. These guys trying to do it for the first time, it, it really showed up how difficult it is to win a major seven matches over the, uh, you know, the two week time. And everybody knows that that's the goal. Once you decide you want to turn pro or even as a junior, you want to win majors and all of a sudden it's right in front of your nose and the tension can overtake you. Yeah. The big three, they're not going to be around forever. And, and as you said, everybody is like waiting for them to go and, and thinking, okay, it'll be their time. It'll be this person's time. The players are thinking it'll be my time. Well, okay. Like you said, you're the hunted now and it's a little different. We got that first glimpse of what the pressure is like when those players aren't in an event. Men's side is going to be fascinating going forward. As for the women's draw, Tracy, with Naomi Osaka being, you know, the the premier player in the Grand Slams recently, the hardcore Grand Slams, I've always thought that the depth of the women's game was at an apex. It hasn't been better in a long time, if ever. And what we saw in this tournament were two familiar faces get back to the top of the mountain and say, okay, wait a second, wait about me, or don't forget about me here. Bianca Andrescu unfortunately couldn't make it through the final. She gets back and loses to Ash Barty. Two players that we've expected to see and we were unfortunate that we hadn't seen for various reasons. But to get that final, as improbable as it may have been, I think puts women's tennis in an even better place. You're exactly right, Mitch. There are so many players that uh, can win majors right now. Sviatek, do we expect her to go through the French and, and the way that she went through it and seemingly won so handily? Uh, you know, Jen Brady, she was in hard quarantine at the Australian and then that may be the biggest surprise of the year and then gets to the finals. But to see Ash Barty, who hadn't been out of Australia for over a year, come over and, and play in Miami, talked about the, the more than or about 50 hours because of a couple of canceled flights and, and adjusting to the time change. And then that's a long time to be off and to be out not playing tournaments. You know, you talk about being tournament tough. If you haven't played for four or five weeks, you may be a little rusty. For, so for Ash Barty to work her way through that tournament and maintain her number one ranking, because there were some mumbles, some rumors, is she really number one in, in everybody's eyes? So for her to play so well was spectacular. And I think everybody thinks, you know, Ash is one of the, the nicest players around. Her game is so beautiful to watch with all of her variety, her athleticism. And then to see Andrescu back again after winning the U.S. Open I think everybody likes to watch Bianca play. The the forehand slices, the drop shots, the again, the athleticism, the offense, the defense for Andrescu, even though she couldn't finish the final, it was great to see that she's playing at that top level again. And it makes it so much more interesting that there's all these ladies playing at at a high level. Yeah, variety and creativity would be the two buzzwords for these players. Uh just very, very fun to watch Andrescu who has a lot going on with her game. The, the win against Sakari showed how tough she was on the court to have to battle back and win that marathon match. Ash Barty, the, the fact that, the fact, Tracy, that Ash Barty was able to win this tournament when she was almost bouncing the first round in, the, in her first match, saving match point, yeah. just shows you how tennis is just such an interesting and fascinating sport where 
we could be having an entirely different conversation if Barty loses just one more point. That one point, I think she hit a forehand winner on a return, and she hit it like she it was a walk in the park. She didn't look tight at all, and uh, you know, once you like you said, you get through that match and you start to build, and you have all that time with with each match to feel more confident to kind of brush the rust off and and uh you're you're exactly right but so many tournaments have been won after the winner has faced a match point i mean look at osaka osaka in australia in that fourth round encounter with uh, muguruza muguruza had two match points and you know instead osaka finishes off the tournament and gets her her fourth grand slam title and that was my favorite match so far of the year there's there's a lot that could be in the running but i thought the tennis with muguruza and mm-hmm. osaka in Australia was outstanding. That's a great pick uh, as for match of the year for the, so far for the women's side. As, uh, as far as uh, Ash Barty goes, I think one of these days we're going to find something that she's not good at. I'll let you know when I get to it. But <laughs> saw her hit the sign, too, on the Char- Charleston hit for charity in her first try. Just, you know, hit it dead on. So with golf and cricket, That's we'll one thing something. to hit the sign, Mitch. Did you see her also hit through the window? I Andrew did. Krasny said, okay, if you get through the window and hit the ball to Bob Moran, the tour tournament director, I'll give you 500 bucks and one try, boom, slings that shot straight through the window. Yeah, she's lucky she's a nice person. Krasny and those guys are lucky she's a nice person because she could have hustled them and, you know, lost and then said, why don't we go for like a couple thousand and then won on that one. (laughs) lucky she's she's nice. She does everything well. Yeah, yeah. The last thing I want to say about Andrescu is uh, I love having her back and, and being a factor the year that she played 2019, she was the best hardcore player in the world. I think it's without question, but there's always going to be the concern about her health and getting through some heavy physical matches. So I'm very excited that she was back, but I'm still a little cautious and concerned. And I think like we've talked about before with other players, Tracy, managing her schedule is going to be huge for her. You know, I'm not as concerned as some of the others have. If you look at how many matches went three sets, she was on the court for a long time and, uh, you know, sprained her ankle a little bit. So to me, she looks very fit again. I think that the clay is going to be a great surface for her. She has that easy topspin on her forehand to neutralize, to, you know, hit the three-quarter rally ball to stay in points, but she can drive through the court and pierce through the court when need be. How about her drop shot is going to be phenomenal on the clay, on the grass as well. Uh, You know, you're you're talking about some players that aren't as comfortable, aren't as confident moving into those different surfaces, but I think you give Andrescu a little bit more time on those surfaces and, and she's going to master them. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. This is Tennis Channel Inside In with Tracy Austin. As we continue along on this episode, Tracy, uh, we're going to get to Charleston in a second, but we got the uh, unfortunate news that Roland Garros is going to be delayed a week. Uh, that was just announced the last couple of days. The French Tennis Federation deciding to push it back a week due to the current lockdown and some stuff going on in France and, and results of uh, in accordance with the pandemic. So what that means as of now, is that the French Open is going to start May 30th, 31st in that time frame, which doesn't seem like much, but as we know, the tennis calendar is very, very strict and stingy, <laughs> and it could 
lead to a lot of different decisions. Most notably, now there's two weeks between the end of the French Open and the start of Wimbledon. So starting with that, I mean, what does that mean for tennis and the players now that this week delay has been thrown into their French Open plans? Well, it's obviously more difficult because you're changing surfaces. So that's challenging with only two weeks between the end of the French and and the start of Wimbledon. Probably more important is playing Grand Slams is tiring physically and mentally. We forgot forget that part oftentimes. I think what we have overlooked is there's an ATP 250 in Stuttgart the second week now of uh, Roland Garros that I don't know what's going to happen with that. The combined event in Hertog and Bosch, the WTA Nottingham event, a 250, which is the second week. So those tournaments are now put in a bad spot. Let's say Zverev, he was supposed to play in Stuttgart in his home country. If he goes deep at the French, he won't be able to play Stuttgart. And I think one thing that's that's quite interesting is so much talk in the shutdown was about unity. You know, we've got to get the majors and the WTA and the ATP, the ITF, everybody all on board and kind of thinking about the best things for our sport. Lots of discussions. And all of a sudden now the French Open, it seems like single-handedly just made that decision to move their tournament back a week. So that was kind of interesting. Now, we know that France went into a lockdown about a, about a week ago, so I can understand, but it was just, I think, for a lot of people, it, it they were blindsided by it. Last year, the French Tennis Federation was also the first to basically plant their flag in for a weekend of when the French Open was going to be. They announced in October when the deck was still being shuffled. So it's not unprecedented for them to take a stand uh, like this. But I agree with that last point you made, or one of the last points you made in terms of the players just want to, they want unity and they want to be in the loop. And I think some of the negative reaction that we've seen from players was being caught off guard, Tracy. The fact that they just, you know, weren't told that this was even a possibility. It just was announced. They weren't consulted. And this is going to affect the players that are lower rank, that are trying to earn a living. We've seen it before. The top players can adjust. It might not be ideal, but it's those lower players that look at, the opportunity to play and, and a week being taken from them. I saw John Wertheim tweet this out, that not having tennis on the schedule for that May 24th week is huge. No tournaments and, and no opportunity to earn for some of these players that unfortunately they're definitely going to need it. Yeah, I was reading about some of the events and they were talking about possibly changing their week as well. Uh, it just, it causes more uncertainty and, you know, we've had, so much uncertainty with bubbles and our sport is an international sport, which I think makes it much more difficult than let's say the NBA or major league baseball. This is just in, in our country. So, you know, players have been going into bubbles. They've played with a few spectators, no spectators. Um, so they've had to make a, a ton of adjustments and whoever has done that the best has, has really come through, you know, players, athletes are used to kind of routine and a familiarity and, they don't have that now. They're, they're constantly shuffling, as you said. So um, it's, it's really important, I think, to have that unity at, at the end of the day for our sport. But everybody's just trying to, to do the best that they can. Last thing on this topic, Tracy, do you think that there'll be a, a solid number, any number of players, veterans or not, that are thinking now about maybe just skipping the clay court season and, and focusing on the grass court season and hopefully the return of Wimbledon? Whoa. I mean, you you mean like Roger Federer or do you mean more than that? Yeah. I mean, I think Roger might be the exception there. I'm just curious if some players might, with the uncertainty, think that maybe clay court isn't for them and they can just focus on having the Stuttgart, the run up to Queens Club or 
those type of grass court events. Yeah, I can't imagine that because so many of these players are European. So it was, you know, Simona Halep who missed the U.S. Open last year was kind of right in the in the thick of things. And a number of people, can't, you know, you had Barty who chose not to, to travel after, what, February of, of last year. But so I, I would expect everybody to play to play these clay court events. I hope so. I hope that's the case. Uh, just with the schedule adjusting, you never know what's going to happen. So hopefully we can get... Uh, a somewhat normal French Open just a week delayed and then lead right into Wimbledon. We're all looking forward to that. Uh, other news going on outside the courts and the actions right now, Tracy, that we hinted at earlier is that Felix Ager Eliassime has a new coach and he's working with none other than Uncle Tony, Tony Nadal. This is, I think, the first time he's coached anybody outside of his nephew, Rafael Nadal, who you may have heard, you may have heard of. But Felix gets a new coach, it's Tony Nadal. First time that Tony has been a traveling uh, member of a coaching team. Interesting decision. Very, very, very smart tennis mind is Tony Nadal. What was your first reaction, Tracy, to hearing this, that Tony's working with Felix? Good job for Felix. I, I, I think this is an incredible get for Felix Auger-Aliassime to get Tony Nadal, who I thought said that he wanted to stop working with Rafa because he wanted to spend more time at home, didn't want to travel as much. He's the director of the Rafa Nadal Academy in, in New York. Um, but I, I think what happened was that, that Felix contacted Uncle Tony and was interested to go down to the academy. And, and once Uncle Tony met him, probably, you know, he said, actually, Uncle Tony said, this kid is, going to be among the best in the world for years to come. That's what he thinks of him. And I think also the fact that Felix seemed to have such a, a high moral, moral character, has so much respect for Rafa and, and Tony, that it, it probably became enticing for, for Tony to, to take on this challenge. Now, for Felix to have somebody like Tony, who has been with Rafa more than a decade, you know, coached him from the young age, to have that kind of coach who has seen Rafa, how he trains, how he thinks on the court, how he constructs points, um, how a champion gets ready for a major. That's just uh, such a huge plus and a huge bonus for Felix Auger-Aliassime. And maybe Tony can, I, I think Felix has great technique, but you can always clean up your technique a little bit and he can help him in that area as well. I do love the fact that Tony said in the event that Rafa and Felix play, I'm just not going to be there. <laughs> He's like, I'm just not going to yes, be there. Yes, exactly. That's fair. It is very fair. I, I, the first thing that I thought, I, I love this move. I love that Felix is is looking to great coaches, to greatness, to help him get there himself. The first thing I thought was, you know, he's had a lot, Felix has had a lot of close and kind of crushing losses. He, he lost two sets down to uh, Karatsev in the Australian Open. He's had some disappointing results where it's, where the game has been there and, and the mentality and maybe just not getting over the hump where it's about the stuff away from the court. I thought that's him addressing a need in terms of, like, we all know that his game is, is great and he's one of the, one of the futures of this sport for sure. But this is him addressing maybe the, the stuff that's between the ears, not so much with his game. Very much so. And it's, it could be a sentence or two. Uh, we saw players from Roger getting Edberg on board and Becker and Chang and even Izovich. Uh, you have about Murray adding Lendl because he, Murray had, had lost four major finals and then Lendl helped him get across the finish line. So 
it might be just a mentality. You know, Felix is 0-7 in, in finals, and people mm-hmm. say, oh, he, he struggles in the finals. When you look at who he's lost to, they're pretty big names yeah. for the most part. I, I think it's pretty impressive that he's even been in seven finals. But, Mitch, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. Why not have a guy who has been there with – you know, the greatest of all time. And uh, just to see how he might think differently on, on certain key points, because so often in matches, it three, four points, even one point can make the difference in the outcome. So very smart move by Felix Auger, all you see. The one thing I will say, and this isn't to, to knock anybody involved, but we take for granted just how mentally tough Rafael Nadal is. So this is going to be a good test for, for all parties involved with, can Felix raise his mental level? Because the Rafa-Tony combination worked wonders. Tony is a great coach, but Rafa is so mentally strong that if Felix can even get a <laughs> fraction of that, if he can start going on that yeah. track, it'll be a great thing. Yeah, Rafa's kind of an outlier, exactly, <laughs> in that department. In all of sports, not just tennis. It's insane. It really is. Uh, the other clay court news that I wanted to bring up was just the uh, the quotes that's come out of the best player, regardless of ranking, on the women's side so far, and that's Naomi Osaka, who is excited to play in the clay court and the grass court seasons, as brief as they might be. She's scheduled to take the court in May at Madrid, her first clay court event of the season. And Tracy, she's excited to hopefully break new ground and win her first title outside of the hard court, the seven hard court titles that she's won. One of the quotes that I liked reading about her just said, I feel like no matter what, I'll have more freedom on the clay courts and the grass than on the hard because I feel like I'm still learning a lot on those surfaces. Tracy, when you hear somebody say that, especially someone already as accomplished by as accomplished as Naomi Osaka, what's that tell you about their mentality and, and what they're thinking going on to this new surface? Yeah, I think this is enticing to her, just like it was to Maria Sharapova. Maria Sharapova didn't have terrific results by her standards on this surface, uh, and she took it as a challenge, and that's what you love. Now, what I got when she says, I think I'll have more freedom on the clay and the grass than on the hard, I get from that that people won't have as high expectations for her because she hasn't had those great results yet. But I think that's that's the next big step for Osaka. She's won four majors, two Australians, two U.S. Opens. But there is absolutely no reason why she can't win on clay. She hits powerful enough to hit through the surface. She hits uh, you know, consistent enough uh, to be patient on the surface and to build the point, construct the point. And I love the fact that uh, Yutaka is her footwork coach, and he is the same person that helped Maria make that big yeah. change of knowing when to slide on clay, how to recover best. And it's those fraction of a seconds uh, that make all the difference and just feeling comfortable on the, the slippery surface and on, on grass. You know, and grass is so different. And when you think about the grass, we have – it's actually this year going to be only four weeks on grass, normally five, so few tournaments. It is the most foreign surface. Most of the time people have in the first couple of years, only a handful of, of even matches. Then all of a sudden it clicks. You know, even Muguruza, when she won Wimbledon, something clicked Halep uh, as well a couple of years ago where they realize that my game can work on this. I have to be on my front foot. I have to, you know, can't get on defense. It's, it's tough to get out of that predicament. And uh, it's, it's something click. And I think that for Naomi, it, she's working on it. And it's, it's really going to work well for her. 
I, for one, am a little terrified because if it starts working well for her on clay and grass, I mean, it'll work out. <laughs> she's already, already taken this game by storm. But you're right. That, that point about the grass court, it's very interesting. It's one reason why you can't really look at past results because the results are so few. The sample size just isn't there that you could look at any number of players, even the game's greatest, like Serena, for example. It takes her kind of getting into the season, winning a couple matches at Wimbledon, and then suddenly by the championship weekend she's playing the best by far in that tournament so i think i think she's taking without the right a doubt a, it, I, yeah i think naomi's taking the right approach for sure yeah and she also talked about the clay that wimp set has been on you know other teams who have helped players go deep or win the french open and so he knows uh, the ins and outs of clay so i think naomi has a, a great team around her and uh this is the next challenge and the fact that she's excited about it and uh you know not overwhelmed by that that's probably the most important tennis channel inside in with tracy austin rolls on we'll uh we'll wrap up this episode talking about the current tournament going on in charleston a, a big wta event on the hard true in south carolina and had some big names there it's interesting to see garbini muguruza and patrick vidova who are both eliminated along with ash barty play this event to get the work in get another opportunity and get started on the clay court season I know you've had some experiences down there, Tracy, playing in South Carolina and in the southern part of this country. So what were some of your favorite moments playing down there? I think it's just, it's obviously a great time of year to be in South Carolina. Uh, Charleston, when I won uh, this tournament, it was in Hilton Head, which is equally as as beautiful. And uh, just, you feel like you're on vacation because although the players can't go out now because they're in a bubble, but there's usually, you know, great, great restaurants. It's a, a little bit more casual. It's, it's at a tennis club. And I think the players feel just very comfortable. I love the fact that Ben Navarro and Bob Moran, Eleanor Adams have added another tournament next week. So there's another 250. I think that's attractive for players, but they certainly got an incredible draw with so many strong players, starting with Ash Barty, but so many of those top players were knocked out. It's really been quite interesting. It really is, and I think part of it is also getting used to you know the new surface and the results might not be the, the goal. It's finding your game and finding yourself on there, but the fact that it's on this, and this is more of you know, me asking you as, a, as an expert in this field, but the hard true surface versus the traditional red clay, how is that different, and, and how helpful or, or, I guess, tough will it be to adjust to having to go and play on the red stuff in Europe after this? Oh, it's, it's similar enough that this is really a, a nice springboard for these players to, right after Miami, you know, make that transition. Uh, you know, hard true and uh, the green clay, if you water it more, then it's going to be slower. If it, it gets a little dusty, then it can be faster. So you know, Muguruza had to pull out mid-match against Putin Seva. She had been playing beautifully with a leg injury. So you see a lot of the young ladies are taped, in, uh, you know, their thighs because of the sliding. It's a, a different motion. You find making that transition the same from clay to grass, you're using different muscles to stop, to start, to put the brakes on. And so it's a different mindset as well. And I think that's one of the reasons it's pretty quick turnaround from Miami to uh, Charleston, why you saw some of the, you know, some of the top players not play as well. Now Sloan Stevens, that's been great week for her. She's resurgent. She seems 
yeah, she seems to be digging in and her offense is, is working well. Her defense is, is second to none. So this has been a, a really important for tournament for, for Sloan. She's a former champion there. So I think just those good feelings, that good mood has really helped to bring out some of her best tennis. Yeah, she's working well with her new coach, Darian King, someone she knows pretty well and, and really just starting to find her game. We saw pieces of it in Miami going forward, but she's playing a lot better. Uh, I just also want to say, I mean, Ash Barty's in a tough one right now. The match between Barty and Shelby Rogers was great. Uh, Shelby losing that one, unfortunately, for her. But just a fighter. I'm, I'm always a fan, not just because I talked to her last year, but I'm always a fan of watching her play. <laughs> Down to Annie Samova, 4-1 double break in the second, a set and a double break. She comes back, wins that one. Unfortunately, Annie Samova was hurt. And then battling and giving Barty all she can handle. She, The hometown girl in Charleston really does, it seems, love playing there. Yeah, that's a feel-good story. It's so interesting. Part of the bubble, Shelby can't even stay in her own house. She has to stay at the hotel, which uh, news, I guess, in Monte Carlo is that, that players can't stay in their own home if they live there. So that's that's a, a little bit of progress there. But I agree with you. I think the fact that Shelby Rogers was out for a whole year with a knee injury and she worked so hard. On, if you follow her on social media, you, you can follow some of her workouts. And she is really making headway. Last summer in Lexington, beat Serena, went deep in the U.S. Open. Shelby's always had a, a big game, and now she's, been much, she's much more consistent. Seems like she has that belief. So I think she's, uh, she's going to be a threat, and uh, you know, her ranking is, is definitely moving up inside the top 50. She can beat anybody. This tournament saw a lot of upsets, as we, as we mentioned. Kvitova lost early. Uh, Kennan lost in her first match to Lauren Davis. Kennan's still trying to you know, get right. I don't know if she's fully fully back from that appendectomy and getting used to finding her game again. And then, there, of course, Tracy, there's Coco Goff, who unfortunately lost today to Anz Jabor, but won a couple matches, is starting to get used to playing on clay. This is the former Roland Garros junior champion at a very young age, I think 13, when she won it. So what are your thoughts on Coco playing <laughs> on? Yeah, I know, 13. Uh, what are your thoughts on Coco's performance this week and uh, the signs you see going forward on the clay? Well, heck, I mean, Coco is ranked in the 30s now. She just turned 17. I think what's most important is her attitude and her family. I think her family has the right idea. They seem to think big picture. It's not just, you know, next week. They know that they're building the whole person. She seems very happy, very excited to be playing all times, plays doubles, which start to develop your whole game, the intangibles, the, you know, the secondary shots, the half volleys, the more return of serves that kind of thing. And every time we see Coco, uh, there seem to be some, some small changes, tinkering with maybe the serve or the forehand, and definitely some improvements. Her serve has improved. She still struggled today with some too many double faults, but uh, the, the return has looked good this week. Uh, the volleys are only going to get better because of playing with uh, Katie McNally, and she's gained such valuable experience. So I, I think um, I like the fact that we've kind of backed off a little. We're still really interested in Coco, but it doesn't seem like everybody expects her to do huge things like next week. We understand that she's 17 and, and, and give her some time. The climb, to use a metaphor, it's been slow. Like it hasn't happened overnight. And I think it has been good for her to win a couple matches, you know, suffer some setbacks that, that are going to happen on tour, but to slowly climb, I think has been good for her to adjust to pro, to pro tennis. I mean, 
She's only 17. She's only played a few years on tour full. So this has been good for her. I agree with that. And I think her performance and her comfortability level on the clay is only going to get better when she starts playing big matchups. It's just funny that she's playing all these players too, Tracy, that because she's so young, she's never played before. So it has to be a tough task for her opponent as well, dealing with Coco for the first time. Oh, absolutely. It's like Anna Samova. Anna Samova is the same thing. She's been around a, a little bit longer, but so often when we do the commentary, it's, oh, first meeting for these two. So uh, that's another American that I think has the capability of winning a Grand Slam in the major. I, I think we're doing very well as far as Americans in the top 100. We've got 16, starting with Kennan at, at number four. So Things are looking up, and uh, with Coco and, and Anna Samova still so young, so talented, uh, I'm, I'm very excited about that. This has been a blast. Tracy Austin on the Tennis Channel Inside In podcast. Tracy, uh, very last thing before I let you go. I, I just wanted to bring this up because I thought it was relevant and uh, something worth talking about. I saw this week that there are now two more members of the Tennis Moms Club with Elena Yankovic and Tatiana Maria. Uh, so it, it's just, a, it's interesting to see. You have obviously Serena, Azarenka, a lot of names, Parankova, but a lot of players are still active and are having some success coming back. And I got to thinking about this and I just wanted to hear your opinion on it. The fact that I think the tennis longevity, the careers are lasting longer and players are able to, you know, have time to have a family. The ranking system, the protected rankings has gotten better, that they're able to come back into the sport have success, and also have that added motivation of their uh, family watching them. So I think it's great, and I think it's something that is only going to grow in the future. I love that, Mitch. I love that you're paying attention to that. I, it's absolutely fantastic because you are spot on. Um, you know, a couple of decades ago, you get to 27, you get to 28, and the reporters start asking you when you're going to retire. You know, you get to 36, 37, and nobody's asking about retirement anymore. But the players take care of their bodies so well they're able because they're making so much more money they're able to add to their team you know trainers and and physios and and there's so much money everybody's motivated they bring seems like their whole family their whole entourage with them and they bring home everywhere uh, it's great to see little kids run around at the tournament so i think you're you're spot on uh, some of the women want to take a, a year out and and have a child and they know that they can come back it's it's beautiful all the way around yeah there's no necessary decision to where I got to play my career then when I retire I'll have a family some careers are going to last so long that that doesn't really work that way you can take your break come back and still play better and uh, I always give props to Kim Kleisters because she was the first one to come back and actually play better in the Grand Slams than before right actually going back a long way Yvonne Gulagong won Wimbledon in right. 1980 after having her daughter Kelly so it was Yvonne and then there wasn't anybody for a few decades and then you're exactly right it was kim kleisters set the bar high that's i'm glad you brought that up and not me it makes me seem more youthful that i didn't remember that but hey you know that's, <laughs> that's how it's it because works. probably mitch i lost to yvonne in the semi so i remember it well <laughs> Just, that year you know, all too well all too well but you got her a few times as well uh tracy always <laughs> always fun talking tennis with you uh happy you were able to come on this first episode won't be the last time we talk and uh, thank you so much for uh, being the debut guest here on Tennis Channel Inside In. Absolutely enjoyed it. Good luck with it, Mitch. Appreciate that. That was Tracy Austin on the new podcast, Tennis Channel Inside In. If you like this episode, you can find it along with some throwbacks and all the future content that we are going to produce on the Tennis Podcast Network. Go to tennis.com slash podcasts. 
We'll be back with more episodes going forward. We're on all your platforms and devices. Next week's Monte Carlo. We're getting into the clay court swing, leading to the road to Roland Garros. For Tracy Austin, I'm Mitch Michaels. This was Tennis Channel Inside In. Thank you, and we will see you next week.